Kingdom greetings to each and every one of you. This is your host for tonight, the Human McLean. It is truly an honor and a pleasure to be back on here. I am really ecstatic to bring forth this message that we have this evening. I want to give special greetings to uh, 
Dr. Ganny and her husband for Kingdom Empowerment. They're doing such a phenomenal job uh, with this broadcasting station. I also want to give a special thanks to all of those who have joined us for the very first time and those who are regular visitors. I like to call them family um, that's on here. Amen. It's truly a pleasure and an honor to have you join on with us every single uh first and third Mondays of every month right here at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time all the way to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time where you are receiving spiritual enrichment, uh, revelation, and insight. Amen. If you haven't already, I implore you to just go ahead and encourage one of your friends or family members or as many people as possible to join us tonight on Kingdom Empowerment Radio station. Amen. At 646-668-2413. Again, that's 646 646- Six six eight two four one three. Amen. We have a very interesting topic tonight. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be talking about the ministry of David and Saul, and so and how it relates to our life today. So this is going to be a very very interesting message, and I pray that you all will join me. Amen. Again, they can dial in six four six 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 eight two four one three. Also, I'm going to open up the lines every ten to fifteen minutes. Uh, for those who, of you who have any questions, statements, or comments, we encourage everyone to make this forum very interactive. Even if you have any prayer requests, we welcome that as well. We want you to know that this is a place where everyone feels comfortable and feel at home and that you have this liberty and freedom uh, to to let your voice be made known and share with us uh, your understanding of the scriptures. Amen. So we want to thank you all for joining us. Amen. We are truly excited uh, for what God is going to do in our lives this year and uh, what he has already begun to do this year. Truly, I believe it's going to be very impactful where God is going to show himself uh, as he did in time past, supernaturally, but even the more, amen. And so I'm excited. Just before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and pray and just before we open up this segment. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for tonight. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor that is due your name. There is none like you. There is none beside you. You are deserving of all the praise. God, we acknowledge you as King of kings and Lord of lords. And as we are here on this radio program for tonight. Lord God, I pray that those uh, of you that have tuned in, the people that have tuned in, that, Lord God, that they will be imparted into. I pray that there will be a fresh revelation, a fresh deposit from heaven. Uh, God, I pray that you will speak in and through me, that, God, that there will be an illumination of your word, that you will continue, oh, God, to show yourself and reveal yourself through scriptures. Father, that we will not only be hearers of the word, but we will be doers of the word also, that, God, that the word will make the word applicable to our lives. God, we give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you, oh God, for all that you're doing in our lives. We believe that this year will be a year of great manifestation, a great release, of great breakthrough. And Lord God, we believe you, oh God, that in this time that we're in, that God, you'll reveal yourself to us even the more. Help us to become learned people of your word, that God, we will know that you are speaking through your scriptures. Help us to know, not be easily deceived, but God, help us to discern you in the word, that every word that we read and every word that we study or discuss will come to life. God, Father, we 
thank you for all that you've done. I pray that the airways, oh God, will be clear. I pray that the hearers will be receptive to the frequency of the sound that you have to release. God, I pray that, Lord God, that you would have your way on tonight and ultimately that you will be glorified. Lord, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise that you so richly deserve. Lord, we bless you and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Well, amen and amen. Once again, just a brief announcement for those of you who are just tuning in. This is your host for tonight, Dehiba McLean. I am on here every first and third Mondays of every month at 7 p.m. through 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, two hours of dynamic teaching. Amen. Uh, We always encourage uh, you to invite several people if you haven't already or simply Share it on your social media page. Let them know that we are on here. Amen. And we look forward uh, to hearing what you all have to say. Amen. You're getting fresh frame of work. But have someone join in at 646-668-2413. And uh, we definitely look forward to praying with you and speaking with you. Uh, amen. And sharing the word of God, breaking bread together. So, amen. The topic for tonight is about the ministry of David and Saul. And, I have been speaking on this uh, for a period of time, and I just want to share this message tonight because I believe that it's a relevant message as well as a message, amen, that would really bless the people of God. Uh, Oftentimes, uh, when we read the scriptures, uh, we just read it and, and we view it as a novel. Some people view it as something that I've read before. Uh, so many people have their different understanding of the scripture. Uh, they will say, okay, well, that was the life of David. That was the life of Saul. And I'm reading about these Bible characters, or uh, I've read this story before. And so they never revisit the scripture. They never uh, look at it as uh, what it, for what it is. Um, but I, one of the things I love about the word of God is that every time you read it, it becomes new. Every time you read the Word of God, there's always fresh revelation. And I, I, I like to read the scriptures, and I'm always ask God, how is this applicable to my life today? What can I learn from your Word uh, with these Bible characters? And, and how does it affect me today in modern vernacular? You know, uh, uh, to break it down in modern vernacular, uh, um, what does it mean to me? And so whenever we're reading the scriptures, it is imperative that we personalize it. It's imperative that we learn from these stories and not just look at it as just stories or novels, but these are scriptures that is always living. It's perpetual. The word of God is perpetual. Uh, So even if this happened over 2,000 years ago or even more, this story is still relevant for our lives today, and uh, we can learn from them. So I want to talk to you about David and uh, Saul. And when you look into the life of David, I think he's one of the most uh, prominent characters of the Bible. Uh, we, he's very known for the the book of Psalms, and uh, he has a way with words and, and his relationship with uh, with God was uh, one that was very intimate. We've known him to be a man of war. We've known him to be a, a ruler. The Bible describes him as the king over um, Israel and Judah. Um, David was also known as a young 
shepherd who gained his fame by being a minstrel, a musician. Uh, he was also known by the famous story of Goliath. Uh, he was also known to be um, a close friend, being closely knitted with Jonathan, Saul's son, and one who eventually uh, had to deal with a great ordeal when it came to Saul, and uh, one that was also an anointed king, one that was taking the Ark of the Covenant. So, listen, David, although he was a shepherd boy, God entrusted him with so much great responsibilities. And that's why you will look within the book of Samuel and the book of Psalms, and you'll find that even throughout the scripture, this David, his name was mentioned because he was a prominent figure. Uh, uh, he left a, a legacy. Uh, he, he's done so many great things, and because of his legacy, uh, we're talking about him today. But one of the things that he was greatly, greatly known for was that he was a man after God's own heart. And it takes a lot to be described as such. All throughout the Bible, people have been described as other things. And even today, people have been described as a great man of God, a great woman of God, or one that has turned away, one that's apostate. And, but he left a, 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 a footprint on the earth, and the footprint and the name, the character, the integrity that he left was a name that he was a man after God's own heart, one that was humble, one that was known for his great characteristics of exuding great attributes of faithfulness and uh, reverence toward the things of God, devoted, loving, uh, one that always turned to God in a heart of repentance, even when he did not make the best decisions. He was known as a man after God's own heart. What am I saying to you that even if you're listening on the line tonight, even if you have made your mishaps, you've made your mistakes, um, you did not make the best decisions, listen, the moment that you are in God and you are humble, you're faithful, you're, you reverence God, you are repentant, and you continually uh, maintain this posture as David did, you'll find that you too uh, can also be considered as a man or a woman after God's own heart. This is not only for David, but we can learn off of his story that if we maintain a humble posture before God, that God can elevate us and cause us to be at a place of ascension just the way he did with David. And, and, and so he went from one that was just a shepherd boy to a king. And that goes to show you that today that God can take your life from what it looks like a life of despair, one of hopelessness, one that seems like you're never going to amount to anything, one that is rejected. You can see that God can take your life as being what many people call to be a nobody into somebody, uh, what many people see you as or perceive you as a misfit or one that's counted out. God can change your life story. God is the one that changes the chapters of your life, that even if the, the, the beginning of the story of the chapters and the narrative did not start the best, it's not how you are in the chapters, but it's how 
the story ends. And that's what I love about God is that ultimately he is the narrative, the one that writes the story of our lives. That no matter how we start, we may have very small and humble beginnings, but God has a way of making the conclusion of the story to turn out to be one that is victorious, one that is memorable. And that's exactly what God would do with our life. And we see that's what God did with David. Now, one of the things that I want you to understand about uh, before David became king, uh, Saul was reigning as king over Israel. And all the while, David was in his process and didn't even know it. He didn't even know it, which means that David did not have the slightest inclination that God had in mind for him to be king. Uh, He was just living uh, his normal life, just like many of us today. We're living our normal life, and we have no idea that all the while God is planning our story, which is why we're supposed to have faith in God, because when we look like our lives are not going somewhere and then we think that our life is this is just it, that I'm just going to be a shepherd boy, that my life is just going to be normal, God has a way of taking uh, one individual that's living an ordinary life and add the extra to it that will cause it to be extraordinary. Yes, we find that uh, Saul was reigning as king all this time. Now, uh, God, and while David was in his process, God was building and constructing him for something that exceeded his understanding, something that exceeded his understanding. God was developing skills and birthing forth a warrior. David might have felt that, well, you know, this is just what I do. I, I'm just one that's a shepherd's boy, that I, I kill bears and lions with my hands, and I attend to the sheep, and I am in my father's house, and this is normality for me. This is my daily routine. This is my daily life. But all the while, you are not realizing God is teaching you something and skills in what you call normal. So what am I saying? That you may feel like I'm serving in my father's house or I'm serving in ministry, and, and all the while you're thinking that you're doing a duty, but really God is preparing you to be a king. Yes, God is preparing you for something greater that even when you are in your job and you're there and your, your, your job doesn't seem as significant as it is with others, you're you'll see that it's not very significant. But you're saying that, you're saying to yourself, this is not something significant, uh, but you're not realizing all through the process that God is teaching you humility. And he's teaching you and grooming your character. He's grooming you in such a way that when you do get to that place of rulership, that you have been faithful with the small things, so I can trust you, with the big things. You see, when you just go from point A to point Z, you never learn the true significance of being in the process. Yes, you don't value the anointing. You don't value the position. You don't value your your relationship with God because you've never been through the process. 
But when you have gone through the process, that's when you understand the value of your identity, the value of your anointing, and therefore you will not take it for granted. So God was developing David all the while. What am I saying to you is that even though you may feel like you are in a place or at a place of insignificance, inadequacy, that you you don't have a place, you're living a life of despondency, he is fortifying you. He's causing you to become more skillful. He's training you. He's training you to take the throne. Now, one of the things that I want to say before I open up the lines uh, very shortly is that we oftentimes despise our process. We, we feel as though, uh, uh, you know, why does God have allowed allow me to go through this? We, we look at our process as a punishment when really it's all preparation. So our process is not punishment. It's only preparation for your next dimension, for your next place, uh, uh, because he wants to, to entrust you with what? He has designed for you. See, a lot of people they 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 were they just went. They weren't sent. And so when you just go, God can entrust you because you don't know what it takes to maintain the office, to maintain what God has designed. He doesn't want anyone that's just going to be in leadership and abuse their authority, or anyone that's going to be in leadership and never understand what it means to be a true leader, to be a true leader. Uh, 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 you would never understand that. But, see, David understood that because of the process. Now, watch this. Watch this. The Bible says, the Bible says that before David became king, Saul was reigning as king over Israel. And watch this. Watch this. When God, when God wants a revival, one of the things that he does is that he anoints a David. He anoints a David of this generation. He will anoint one that's just like David, who, who exudes and exemplifies the character of David. But when man wants revival, they elect Saul. I'm going to say that again for somebody who missed it. When God wants a revival, he will anoint David. But when men want revival, they elect Saul. See, and isn't that just like the body of Christ today or even in government or even our workplace or wherever you may find it yourself to be? Uh, the, the people select what's most feasible to their flesh, but take no regard for what's good for them spiritually, right? Uh, the, the people got what they've asked for. And so what you petition for is what you'll give a platform to. I'm going to say that again. What you petition for is what you'll give a platform to. Uh, the, pe the people petitioned for Saul, so that resulted in a, a Saul regime. That resulted in a Saul's ministry. Usually when a person uh, is ordained in ministry or elected in ministry, but they were never anointed by, uh, by God but elected by the people, Expect the government of that church or the government of the nation to be just like Saul and to be governed by the people or the voices of the people, but it's never truly governed by the voice of God. And so what he did is that he gave them the people's heart's desire. It was never God's 
heart's desire. See, David was a representation of God's desire. It was never truly Saul. Uh, so any time you find that there's a true, authentic revival, and, and a revival uh, takes place when, uh, uh, whenever there's a David around, whenever there is a true David, you will see revival takes place in the church or in a region or in a territory, in a nation. But whenever you see that things are falling apart, things are not going accordingly, uh, you know that's man's revival. That's man's way of doing things. That's what they have ultimately elected. And, and even though we oftentimes watch this, put people on pedestals and we give them titles just like Saul and, Saul, and we give them accolades, they don't necessarily uh, deserve the assignment. So not because they're a person that possesses the platform, it doesn't mean that they have been chosen by God. Not because they were anointed for a certain assignment doesn't mean that they're authentically walking in the assignment of God. So we do have to be mindful, discerning, and careful of those whom we put in leadership and who we are putting in leadership to lead God's people. Because when you have uh, individuals like Saul, uh, you'll find that ministries now turn out to be a chaos. You'll find that the ministries or churches or organizations, it never goes in an orderly fashion, that there's always a result in competition or jealousy or bat-batting or rebellion. You'll always find that because there's, there is a Saul that's present. Whenever a Saul is present, you'll find witchcraft. You'll find rebellion. You'll find competition. You'll find jealousy. You'll find backbiting. You'll find all these uh, characteristic traits. But whenever a David is present, you'll find the ark of God there. You'll find the glory of God there. You'll find true, authentic leadership. So you will know a true, authentic leadership simply by the fruit that they bear and the manifestation of that fruit. Listen, I want to open up the lines for anyone who has any questions, statements, or comments, uh, and then we'll resume back um, into our, our lesson. I hope you are all are, that are listening are being blessed thus far, and you are inviting someone to listen on the line. So at this time, call you alive if you have any questions, statements, or comments. Woman of God, good evening. Good evening. God bless you. Thank you for joining. Yes, yes. It's it's always a pleasure. Uh, thank you. I as you're as you're sharing, I'm just taking down a lot of notes here, and I'm hearing words like posture, attitude, reflection. Um, I also want to add, well, you you mentioned uh, motive. Um, a lot of us we want things out of life. We want power. We want to have influence over people. Um, why? Because with that uh, comes money. Uh, with that comes uh, other accolades. But let's examine the motive. Um, there's a lot of people who are in positions of power and they're not psychologically prepared for this type of leadership. There are people who serve all their agendas. Uh, but going back to uh, the reason why 
a man or woman of God is is put through certain circumstances. And let let, let me just bring my own situation into this. Um, uh, I work uh, in environmental service. Uh, I've been doing that for some time now. Uh, I feel a groaning in a sense where uh, I'm called to do something else, and I see a shift. I, I see it. Uh, I thank God. Um, I haven't always thanked God for <laughs> this assignment. I've certainly uh, uh, complained and said, Lord, take this away from me. Give it to someone else who will appreciate it. I don't want it anymore. And I've had uh, many people close to me uh, saying, uh, can, uh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, okay. Just want to make sure. So I've grown in the midst of the assignment, and I've done that uh, out of pure exhaustion. Uh, I feel that uh, this is no longer a, a place for me. I feel that I have outgrown it. Now, I don't feel like I'm better than the next person. Uh, I don't feel less than, although there are times when I say, wow, you know, I can do a lot better than what I'm doing. And, and I, I believe that. And But at the same time, I ask the question, Lord, why is it that I'm here? Why? Because I, I asked for this assignment, by the way. I, I, let, uh, let me tell the whole truth. I prayed uh, that an assignment would open up uh, within a hospital. So I, sometimes you have to be careful what you pray for and know exactly what you're getting yourself into. And I prayed for it, and the Lord opened the door, and I was very grateful. And I look back at this. And I say to my life, Lord, what, what have I learned in these nine-plus years? And I would say the first word I've learned is humility. I would say the second word I've learned is patience. I would say the third word that I've learned is you must become, well, this is more than a word, more, it's more of a sentence. You must become a follower before you can become a leader. And a lot of us are not prepared to do that. We don't want to follow anybody because we feel that we are all sufficient, that we, are, we know how to lead, and we just want to lead people. Well, uh, there's a cost here, and what the Lord is teaching me is, again, I must take that lowly place. And, again, I don't want to belittle the assignment that I'm doing, but sometimes we have to take that lowly place before God elevates us to a place of prominence. And can God be glorified in environmental services? Sure. He can be glorified in any, any department. And that's what I've learned in, in this uh, uh, time uh, working in the environmental service department. And with that, I say to myself, what kind of legacy, when this assignment is complete, and it, from what I'm hearing, it will be shortly, what kind of legacy am I leaving behind? When I leave here, what are they going to say? What, what are folks going to say? Wow, you know, that was a really, that, that man, he did his work with excellence. He did it with a smile. So what kind of mantle am I leaving behind once I leave this assignment? And I look back at that, and, and quite frankly, I didn't even care to leave behind a legacy. I just want to get out of here. <laughs> but God is saying, get beyond yourself. Get beyond your desire to want to leave. I'm actually using you in that place. I'm actually opening up eyes that you don't even know are being opened. 
And sometimes, you know, we labor for the Lord and we don't see results, but then there'll be that one person, maybe two, who'll say, oh, how you doing? Yeah, oh, that's the preacher. Yeah, I know him. Yeah, he's a nice guy. You know, God bless him. And he's really, really exemplifying what it means to be an ambassador of Christ. And I had someone share that with me, not in those words, but, and it really taught me a lesson that, wow, really, Lord? So this is really what it's all about. And he says, yeah, get beyond you and let me be glorified. And sometimes, and, and let me go to bless, uh, to, uh, and I don't want to talk too much, but I want to talk about blessings. Sure. You know, there are many times that we want God to bless us. Oh, Lord, bless us with this, bless us with that. But, woman of God, as you said, your attitude or your posture can delay your blessing. And because you have taken on an ungrateful attitude, because you have taken on an attitude that is not glorifying God, he says, no, you've not learned your lesson. So guess what? You're going to stay where you're at until you develop where you're at. And then once you're tired of huffing and puffing and complaining, then I can truly work on you. I can work on your heart. But until then, you're just going to remain you're just going to remain there, and you're going to learn. And I liken that to individuals who wait on these lines to play these lotto games. And I spoke about this before. And, and, and let me say this. Many years ago, I used to do that. Uh, I'm going to date myself now. Back when it was lotto 48, I played these games with a family member. And we were putting our money until finally we just stopped and we just said, well, what's the point? What are we doing? And there are individuals that do this with an expectancy that they're going to win. So they're not doing it blindly. They're doing it with an expectancy that, well, maybe I'll win. Well, the problem with winning is now you have taken on a responsibility. You Let's say you uh, work and let's say you earn twenty, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars. Now you went from earning that kind of money to now having millions of dollars to manage. So you're asking for more. And if you're a poor, and if you're a poor steward over that little, how in the world are you going to manage millions of dollars when you can't That's even right. manage what you have? So sometimes we have to be very careful what we ask God for, what we're praying for, what, what, we, what, what we're pouring our money into. And, and, and I, you know, for me, I, I've really learned a great deal, and I, and I thank God for you. And, you know, I hear, I, I hear words like personalizing scripture, and that's so important. If the words, if we don't apply the word of God to our own life, if we are not living what we profess, then, then what are we doing? What, what are we doing? Why are we going to church? Why are we even studying if we're not taking those words and people are not seeing the words literally jump off the paper, they're saying, wow, I can, I can relate to David. I can relate to Jesus. I can relate to Ruth. I can relate to Samuel, Jeremiah, uh, the, the Apostle Paul. I can relate to Saul. <laughs> okay, yeah, I used to persecute people. So uh, Cornelius, so on and on. So the words, the scripture must become life to you. It can't just be another best-selling novel. It has to be words that you can say, you know what? Yes, I got a revelation. You spoke about fresh revelation. Continue to seek us. Say, Lord, I want more. I want more understanding, more revelation, so that 
as you have me in the earth and I'm moving from one position, from one township, one region, one area to another, that, Lord, I'm leaving a mantle behind. I'm leaving something of you behind, not something of me, but something of your glory that people will start to say, wow, wow, you know, there is a God. And, you know, you may be the only Bible, and I'm sure you've heard this before, you may be the only Bible that someone will ever know. And how, why do I say that? Because you exemplify. You, people say, well, I've never seen Jesus before. And there, are, and there are many varying descriptions of Jesus. The Bible doesn't say anything about it. When people look at you, they may say, you know, I see Christ. I see the kindness. I see meekness. I see the glory of God over you. There's something about you. There's a light about you. There's a shine about you. That is why we go from region to region, territory to territory, so that where we go, we are leaving behind, as you said, we are now personalizing the scriptures. So everything that people have read or thought they have understood, now they are literally seeing it in person. And they're saying, wow, so that's what Jesus is about. That's what he looks like. This is why we must reflect that from which we believe. If we are not doing so, then we are not living for Christ. I'll continue to listen. God bless you. Oh, man of God, thank you so much for that. That was very, very uh, insightful. I really appreciate you sharing, uh, you know, such a um, wealth of um, information. And, and you said something very profound. As you began to speak about your, your um, earthly assignment that God has um, uh, given you, I do want to say this in response to one of your statements. There's nothing wrong with having ambition. So I do want to say mm-hmm. that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having ambition or aspiring to do greater or wanting to do, to do more uh, because we're always supposed to, we're never supposed to be satisfied just where we are, especially when it comes to the things of God. You want to always uh, just seek more. You want more. And, and, and not in a sense of greed, not greed, but you should want to want more ultimately for glory. I'm going to say that again. But never there's a difference. There's nothing wrong with having ambition, but when our, our ambition turns into greed, that's when it's wrong. But if our ambition is to ultimately give God the glory, then that's fine. And so we want to make the healthy distinction. Now, See, with David, David always had ambition. So I'm just relating this back to you. David always had ambition. Why am I saying that? Because throughout the scripture, you see that David was, David was attending to his father's sheep. So there was ambition, which means that he was working. He was working. He had ambition. He wasn't just a complacent or sitting there. He, the ambition was there. And what I I like about that is that he always aspired to do greater because he was also killing bears and lions. So now you see that not only was he taking care of sheep, which, you know, of course, it had to deal with a lot of maintenance. and, And, you know, those are very subtle animals. But compared to the other animals, like bears and lions, that's a lot more ferocious, you know, 
uh, he tackled that. So he, he knew what it felt like to deal with that which was subtle and wanting to take on a greater assignment. And so what I liked about that is that he had a shepherd's heart, but he also had a warrior's heart. And that's what it means to have ambition, that you would always aspire to do something greater, to always challenge yourself in a greater way. So there's nothing wrong with that. But when our ambition becomes greed or self-centered as it was with Saul, that's when we make the mistake. And, and watch this. In David's ambition, he still respected the process, and that's what God called him a man after my own heart because he was always humble. He didn't murmur. He didn't complain. He took joy in his assignment. And God said, okay, well, since you've been faithful over the little, I can make you ruler over many. And that's what uh, uh, you mentioned the word attitude. That's what God ultimately uses to measure our elevation. Our attitude measures our altitude and elevation. So it's not that God does not want to elevate us. He watches to see how much your attitude has been developed. So while we're in the process, you're going through greater challenges. And, and, and even though David was on the backside of the mountain and, and, and he was dealing with the sheep, and I'm sure it required a lot of maintenance, he didn't murmur. His attitude, his posture was right. And that's when God says, I love the way he postures himself. I love the way he humbles himself and the joy he has in doing it. And now I'm not saying that when a person becomes uncomfortable, you, you will know when you are in transition. A lot of people will know that they're in transition because they will become uncomfortable in the assignment. There's a difference. You'll become uncomfortable in the assignment when you are beginning to transition or outgrow a particular assignment. It's healthy because uh, if you was once a size six, and now you find that you're size 8 and 10 and you try to put on the size 6 pants, you're going to become uncomfortable in it because there's constriction. There's mm -hmm. restrictions there. And so there's a sense of uncomfortability. But it's our attitude in the uncomfortability. It's, it's really what determines what God does with that. And, and we saw that really that's what made David an eligible candidate to be at this place of kingship of his attitude. So growing something and knowing when it's time to transition versus, okay, I'm going to cause you to be in this process a little while longer, but it's our attitude in it ultimately. And so that's what I wanted to share uh, in reference to, to what you mentioned. And you're absolutely right. You also mentioned something pertaining to the lottery. Uh, and I'm just going to kind of bring it back to um, this topic. I'm going to redirect it back to this topic in this, in this sense, and it's relating to what you're saying, is that um, uh, too much is given. The scripture says too much is given, much is required. And, and that's what happens with so many people today, whether it be a job assignment again, or it's, uh, your, your, your earthly assignment or your spiritual assignment, uh, that God has given you, people are always going to want to more. 
but motives. Motives is what makes the difference. Do you want more because you want people to see you on a platform? Do you want the accolade? Do you want the pat on the back? Are you looking for uh, on the spotlight? Do you want people when they see you and say, oh, let me sign your autograph, or oh, wow, I know you. How do you respond to that? See, because even though you can pretend to be humble, because there's a lot of faulty humility out there as well. You can pretend to be humble. You can be pretentious and, oh, yes, I'm a king and I'm doing the right thing. Uh, but God is looking in our hearts, and that's the only man that we cannot fool. We can fool men, but we cannot fool God. God knows the ultimate intentions as to why you do things. And, and I, I think I've quoted this before. Your motives, uh, uh, um, actions, excuse me, I'm going to say this thing. Actions are visible, but motives are secret. Let me say it again for those of you who want me to repeat it. Actions are visible, but motives are secrets. And a lot of people will do things in action. They, they do a lot of works because the works make them seem important. It will make them seem like, wow, I'm a true servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm a true servant, and I'm doing all the, all the right things because, look, I'm traveling the world. Or look, you know, I wrote this book. Or, look, i got a million people on my Facebook Live, and i got so many people following me, and, and I'm, I'm opening this ministry, and I'm opening that ministry, and, and I'm doing so much. The actions are visible. So in the eyes of man that's not truly discerning, uh, or knowing the heart in the eyes of men, surely in your heart you'll say, this is a man of God, this is a woman of God, because they're doing so much, and wow, God must be blessing them. And because they're doing so much work, the hand of God must be on their life. Listen, that's not always the case. That's why the Bible says, it's not by works, lest any man should boast. Your work that you do does not determine your relationship with God. Let me say it again and repeat it. Your work that you do does not determine your relationship with God because motives are secret. People are in this sometimes for the wrong reasons. It's either because maybe they dealt with rejection and they just want a sense of acknowledgement. They want people to serve them. They want their adjutant to chase them around and, and carry their pocketbooks or water or, or their books and a plethora of men walking behind them like the CIA or FBI and just to give them a sense of prominence and importance. And they walk around with a sense of pride and their nose up in the air. You know, the elite people that, that they walk around with the clergy attire and they've never seen in their life that they're better than um, they, they, they uh, not, not, not even Christ, that they're the prototype of God. That they, you know, they push Christ to the side and, and they're the best thing uh, next to sliced bread. I'm not talking about that. See, those are the individuals that 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 it looks like that they obviously, that there's a lot going on with them, but really there's a lot going on the inside, and uh, we can't fool God with a dazzle. See, God is never fascinated uh, with a fancy. He's never deceived by our dazzle. Now, we, we make things look good in the sight of other people, and uh, but when it comes to God, he sees the very depth of our heart. The Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12, it says that the word of God is quick, it's sharp, it's powerful. It says, sharper than any tool is discerning the heart, and it goes straight through the marrow 
Listen, there is nothing hidden in the sight of God, so we can pretend all we want. We can wear our mask. We can continue with the masquerading party and, and think that God doesn't see and and you know, just go around deceiving people, but our motives will eventually expose who we are. And that's what many people do not realize, that your motives will ultimately expose you. Your motives will ultimately testify against you. And because even though it's a secret, secrets like that does not last long. Because eventually you will start seeing the fruit. You will start to see the fruit of it, uh, and, and you will see the rottenness of it. You, you will know that even though they may uh, be a king or a leader over something, you'll find that eventually that even though they're occupying the position, eventually they'll start, you'll start seeing rebellion. You'll start seeing witchcraft. You'll start seeing that they're doing things their way. You'll start seeing that they want to praise, and you'll start seeing that they become jealous. These are the things eventually your own sin will find you out. And, yes, it will even testify against you. So with, with, with what you're calling secrets, your sin doesn't call it secrets. It's not hidden forever. And, and so that's how, that's how it works. Now, now, see, one of the things that I love about this story, let, let me, before I go to the next point, point. Uh, does anyone want to interject uh, uh, or want to share uh, anything relating to what I just mentioned before I get into the next um, point? Praise the Lord. So, Carla, you're alive. If you want to just just add to what I, I shared. Uh, I have a question. Praise the Lord. Can you explain how Jesus handled leadership with the disciples since they did not necessarily function inside of the church? I'm sorry. Can you you repeat that question for me, ma'am? Can you explain how Jesus handled leadership with the disciples since they did not necessarily function inside of the church? How they handle leadership. Well, I, I, I would say it like this. With Jesus, when it came to leadership, one of the things that liked how he, with leadership, or even with the Pharisees or the Sadducees, one of the things that he said that I believe that was so very significant is that when the Bible says in John chapter 1, that when light came into the world, darkness comprehended it not. And, and, uh, uh, and there are many people, especially within leadership, they may not deal or handle situations the best. They may not uh, make the best decisions uh, or execute things based on how God would want them to do it. But nevertheless, he said something that was so significant and profound. He said to them that when they had questioned his authority or what God was doing uh, in his life or based on his assignment, he said that I did not come to abolish the law but I've come to fulfill it. Now, even though Jesus came and he disrupted legalistic systems, he dealt with things respectfully. He dealt with things morally. He dealt with things uncompromisingly. 
he dealt with it unapologetically. And so that's how he executed dealing with leadership, but he did not sin. So what am I saying is that, and I'm going to also touch a little bit about this when it deals with David, is that when Saul, though Saul was in leadership and he did not do things accordingly or was not walking circumspect based on how God had wanted him to, those who are not quite in leadership yet, the Bible says David behaved himself wisely, and he dealt with uh, uh, Saul wisely. And I'm going to get into that uh, in more depth as I go further into the text, that in spite of, of how even if you're dealing with things uh, not based on how God would want them to, it's not our duty uh, to bring condemnation, to be disrespectful of God's leadership, even if they're rebellion. It, we are supposed to handle it with care and all things, and the common denominator, all things should be handled on the premise of love at the ending of the day. And so when you look at Christ, he dealt with love, and that's what he modeled and emulated for his disciples. So he was teaching the disciples that even when you're dealing with certain leadership, whether they're good or bad, you ultimately deal with it with love. And you can see that with the, uh, the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. He, he told them, this is how you're supposed to model things. And, and in Matthew chapter 6, this is how you're supposed to pray. And all throughout the Bible, he, sh- he was demonstrating what it means to have good, godly characteristics. And watch this. Jesus didn't spend so much time showing them of how to deal or how to have power or to be so gifted. No, Jesus was more preoccupied in dealing them, teaching them character. He taught them character more so than, oh, this is what you need to have power. That's one of the first things he dealt with his disciples was with character, humility, the fruit of the spirit. Apostle Paul says in his, in his doctrine in Corinthians, Though I have prophecy and all of these things, but I have not love, I have nothing. So he dealt with their character, and he dealt with love. And, and that, that was the core of the gospel. Love is the success of the gospel. And then afterwards, then eventually when they have mastered that, when they have learned that and developed love and character, then that's when they were ready for power. They were ready for power because they've learned the fundamentals of who God is and his, and his very nature. But what happens today with a lot of individuals that, like Saul, that's just elected, that, that goes into leadership, they don't quite learn the essence of what it means to be humble and have character. So what happens is that they have power but not character, and they abuse it. They, there's mismanagement, and then eventually they start going off in a different direction because they were, they were not necessarily processed. Their character and posture was not first pruned. And so that's to answer your question. God will deal with the disciples in such manner to teach them character, humility, love, and, and it's on that premise that we're supposed to, uh, uh, to operate and ultimately the, the gifts will follow. Because I, I, I will say this, and I'm going to say this in closing to answer your question. The gift without fruit makes you fruitless. I'm going to say it again. The gift without fruit makes you fruitless. There's no way you can be, have a very fruitful, efficient, and effective ministry without fruit. You can have gifts, 
But the gift is without repentance. The gift of God is irrevocable. When you have fruit, it makes you distinctive. It, it, it makes you the uh, disciple of Christ. The Bible says, how do you know that you are my disciple? It's that you love one another. So that's how we're to deal with each other, whether the, the leadership is evil or, or they're good. We're supposed to deal with one another in love. So I hope I answered your question, woman of God. Yes, you did. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And so, so watch this. The Bible says that that uh, uh, David was rejected. Uh, he was rejected. And, and one of the things that I, I like about this is that oftentimes those who are truly called by God goes through a process of rejection. Now, we may feel like rejection uh, is a form of, uh, is a way uh, that we feel like we're misfits and we just don't fit in, you know, but Rejection is not always a bad thing. Rejection is not always a bad thing. Why am I saying that? It's really how you perceive the rejection and what you do. It's how you respond to your rejection. I'm going to say it like that. It's how you respond to the rejection. Because watch this. Uh, if you want to find God's chosen, oftentimes they're not necessarily raised in the church. They're raised in caves. I'm going to repeat that again. Usually God's chosen are not raised in churches per se. They're raised in caves. I'm going to explain myself. David was a cave dweller, and, and because he was a cave dweller, that's where he learned his skillfulness. That's when he learned the art of war. That's when he learned to be strong and strength. He, that's what developed David to be David as God's chosen because he was a cave dweller. Now, I'm not saying this, this phrase is not to diminish the church. People should be de- developed uh, um, when it comes to leadership. And oftentimes that happens in the church. Oftentimes it will happen in the church. But there's another time when God does not course of the, of the direction that oftentimes God would take certain people is that he will oftentimes not always raise them up in the church. Sometimes they will be raised in the cave. They will be raised up even in the streets. And, and you may say, well, this person just got saved a year ago. How is it that I've been here 50 years and God is using them and the pastor is using them and I've been sitting here 50 years and I've been on the usher board or the deacon's board or the general board for how many years in the past don't see me? No. See, because there's something about uh, 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 this individual that you may not know that all the while, even though they were not raised in the church, they were still being groomed. Mm-hmm. And, and the moment they gave their life to Christ, they, the process was not that long because they were already going through the process. But in the eyes of men, oh, no, well, if you're not in the church, um, you can't take membership since you've been here three months. Uh, you can't be a leader until you've been here for one year. Uh, and then you've got to go through all of these preliminaries to, in order to be qualified. See, God, <laughs> when God qualifies a person, when he calls them, when he chooses them, yes, they go through the process, sure, this protocols, but don't bind them by legalism and try to put a time frame when God is ready to use them because that's exactly what God would do. Sometimes the Bible says it like this, the first shall be the last and the last shall be the first. Many are called, few are chosen. And so 
I'm looking at as a time frame where they had to go through the time frame and all the preliminaries and the protocol. God says no. See, I operate outside the realm of eternity. So uh, in, in your eyes, they're not ready, but in my eyes, they're ready because I'm going to give them what's necessary to make them qualified. And so a lot of people will see the Davids of this hour, the Davids of this generation. They will look at them and say they're not qualified. And guess what? You will even judge them because they look like cave dwellers. You will even judge them because they came up off the streets. And they are whom I call cave dwellers. But it doesn't mean that we're to disqualify them. Just recently, I saw something on social media, and I'm going to say this very carefully. I'm going to say this very carefully. I'm going to use wisdom even saying this. There was uh, one particular woman. I had shared the video because I was tremendously, tremendously blessed by it. There was this one particular woman. uh, uh, She obviously and visibly was a homosexual, uh, but one of her friends began to record her, and uh, was recording her, she had marijuana in her hand, and she was smoking marijuana, and she, her teeth was a whole bunch of gold teeth. She had no hair. She did not look like a woman, but, you know, her voice, you can tell that she was a woman, but she didn't look like a woman. You know, she obviously conformed to the world, and you can see that she is visibly in sin. But the moment she opened her mouth and she began to sing, you felt the anointing. There was chills going through my arms and my spine, and the anointing that came from her voice, it, it was just totally exuded through the screen. Now, people would say, well, yeah, the devil is gifted too. The devil uh, has gifts too. But watch it. Watch it. Before we're quick, be so quick to say it's the devil, we want to pray for that individual. God, is this an individual that I should pray for that you're calling? That you're called into kingdom because we're, we're, we're quick to condemn people. And maybe the people who we're condemning, those are the ones who are God's calling. And so sure. sometimes God changes the pattern of things. He says, you know what, I can use this gift. And though this gift may be in sin right now, I am so sovereign that I can pick this gift and I can take the dirt off of it. I can take the muck and the mud off of it. And I can clean it up and I can apply my blood to this person's life. And I will sanctify them and make them new. And I will put in them a new heart. And you will see that person that was, that was in that sin, before you know it, they are doing big things for God. Because it's not that there was not a seed there. And so what am I saying? That that's what God is doing. He's changing the pattern of things that we may may look like, oh, well, you know, God is calling the ones who have a big clergy collar and the white collars and and all the Pope-looking attire on. And God says, no, 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 those are the ones I really, they're they're rejected. I'm calling the cave dwellers. So what am I saying? Don't despise people because of their appearance or don't despise people because they're going through their process now. You don't know what God can do in that person's life. And so that's what God did with with David. Uh, He was rejected by people, but God 
took him uh, from the backside of a mountain and exalted him. So oftentimes I would tell people that God is raising up a remnant, and it's a remnant of apostles and uh, evangelists, teachers, prophets, and they're coming out of the caves. And, and, and they're relentless, and, and they're, they're relentless to bring reformation. And, yes, they will be the ones to dis- disrupt um, the system. They, they don't promote. They don't promote the government of God, right? And, and that's what happened. He's raising up radicals that will undo religion and legalism, saying it must be done this way. And if it's not done the church way, or with a whole bunch of rules and laws. Now, I'm not saying, watch this, I am not saying that we're not to have godly standard. That's immutable, and that will not change. God's standard will not change. But I'm talking about legalism, man-made rules. God will raise up radicals to undo religion, not standards, mm. not God's standards. Man cannot undo God's standards. That doesn't uh, remove, that remains. But to undo religion, that, those mm. are the individuals who are, that God is raising up. Now watch this. I heard the man of God say, you know, you know, I've been in this assignment for quite some time, and it just seemed like the, I, I, I'm uncomfortable. Now watch it. There are times that we, we, just like David, we may find ourselves to be rejected by a group or our job or community, uh, by churches or even our leadership. But watch this. Oftentimes, rejection means that it's time for an upgrade. Anytime you become uncomfortable, anytime you are rejected, it just simply means that there's time, it's time for an upgrade. And, and it, like I said, rejection is always, not always a bad thing. Rejection is not always a bad thing. There was a time that uh, in my own personal life, and I'm sure many people can attest to this, coming up in ministry, you know, you, you're saying, but God, why am I not accepted in this place? You go from one place to a next and to one person to a next they, they liked you for a little while, but then after a while they just don't like you, and you're realizing, you're saying to yourself, God, well, what, did I, what did I do wrong? I, I did all the right things, and I'm doing all the right things. And you'll find that they're rejecting you, but their rejection is only to catapult you, to push you into destiny. It, it, it was meant, it was designed to be a, a, a navigational system to let you know that you are never supposed to remain at one place for Ever. A lot of times, rejection means upgrade. And, and, and there were times in coming up in ministry, I'm like, Lord, why is it that I am not accepted? And, 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 and then, then I began to realize God began to speak to me concerning my own assignment. He says, well, that's because if I did not allow you to become uncomfortable, if I didn't allow people to pursue you, if I didn't allow Saul to chase you, you would stay right where you were. But because I had to provoke the situation and I provoke things in your life where you can become so uncomfortable, now you are aspiring to do greater things. You are ambitious to do greater things, and now it can catapult you into your destiny. Otherwise, you would have been stagnant. You would have been complacent. You would have felt comfortable right where you are. So a lot of times, rejection is not a bad thing. Rejection is an indication that it's time for an upgrade. At this time, I'm going to open up the lines for any caller who have any questions, statements, or comments. Caller, you are live. Hello, woman of God. Hi, God bless you. 
God bless you. You know, I, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about the uh, the the uh, cave dwellers, if you will. Um, sure. You know, a, a lot of times, you know, you, you have some men and women of God who are in a local church that God has called to greater things. I don't mean, uh, again, to diminish the, the local church, but there are some that God has called to an international global ministry. And being in this uh, ministry, unfortunately, uh, sorry for that uh, siren, um, there are often times where people will try to conform those individuals who are called to a global or international ministry to that local church setting. And it's like putting, or going back to what you said earlier, it's like putting uh, five pounds of bologna in a three-pound bag. It just doesn't fit. And that man or woman who is called to an international or global ministry, uh, when they're discerning that the that uh, the local church that they're in or a part of, uh, let's say they lack in some areas of vision and they are very legalistic, to use the uh, term, and they're just not moving forward. That's very difficult for someone who has been called to something beyond the church walls. Uh, how does that individual, what should that individual do? Uh, prayer is certainly uh, the first option um, because, you know, the cave dwellers, you know, yes, they, they, they go through rejection. They go through hardship. Uh, uh, people uh, uh, saying all uh, uh, manner of evil, saying uh, you're exalting yourself, you're moving too fast, wait on the Lord. Uh, uh, we'll let you know when, when we're ready to release you. Uh, for someone, I'm talking about those men and women who, who God has made it very clear, has spoken to, and says, well, this is what I've called you to, my son, my daughter, to, to, to go into the world and to preach the gospel. I'm talking about those global ministers now, those who God has called to uh, 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 preach, not preach, but preach on a higher uh, plane outside of the local assembly. Um, how does someone who's been called to that kind of ministry handle themselves? What should be their posture? Uh, what should be their, 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 their attitude? Uh, uh, and I also want to say, uh, you're, you're, you're a woman uh, who's a prophet of God. You're a prophetess of God. Uh, this is who God has called you to be. Uh, oftentimes, you know, we, we see prophets uh, exalting themselves. When we look at the prophets of the Bible, they don't really have that attitude. Their attitude is, is is very quiet. They don't like attention. They sit they they sit in the lowly places. They fought, they listen to the instruction of God. Why? What, what what do I mean by say the, the prophets? They they hide. Uh, they're they're not easily accessible. Why? Because they have to hear from God. They don't want the clamor. They don't want the attention. Jesus, when the fame when, when the scripture says there was a fame. It came uh, 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 to him. Jesus did not seek the fame. To answer the woman of God's question, the, the, the leadership that Jesus displayed was a very, was a powerful leadership. It wasn't a weak 
leadership. It was an authoritative leadership. It was a meek uh, in a sense where he was very loving. He knew how to counsel. He knew how to minister and speak to the person. He knew how to get into their business, if you will. He knew how to, the woman uh, of the Samaritan woman is, a, is, it a, is one example of that, how this woman who came to the well, you know, for, for something physical, and yet Jesus was able to minister to her person. He was able to get into her business, and, and, and he opened her up in such a way like, oh, my God. So when Jesus moved, he moved with compassion, he moved with power, he moved with authority, and he was all business. He didn't play games. Some people say, oh, you're meek, tenant. No, uh, I beg your pardon. He was authoritative. He came, he, when he moved, the kingdom of God moved with him. Wherever he moved, he went into a region, there was change. The kingdom of God was in their midst. There was change. There was a movement. There was, there was something different about him. So when you have a global minister, a person who moves in the prophetic, and you try to confine them to church walls, it's like putting a bald eagle in, in a parakeet cage. He's not going to fit. He's not fit anymore. So right. how are you going to put a bald eagle as big as they are, right, as powerful as they are, in a small uh, room or a small area? You can't confine them. Why? Because they are meant to stretch their wings. They are not supposed to be confined. A bald eagle's wingspan is very wide. They have to fly. Why would you want to confine them? You constrict them, you will kill them. So right. my thing is, do you want to die? My thing is, do you want to be confined? Because you have been given a mandate. You have been given a, 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 a word from God to move. And if man is going to constrict you, if man wants to confine you, and whether they know it or not, they're killing you. Because in the end, when our life is over, who are we going to have to stand before? Are we going to stand before the church congregation? No. We're going to have to stand before God, and God is going to say, uh, woman of God, man of God, I gave you, you know the scripture, I gave you talent. What did you do with it? I told you to go to the nations. Did you follow my instruction? No, you didn't do it. Why? Because you listened to people. Then you're just like Saul, because he did the same thing. He did the exact same thing. He spared king, uh, the, 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 the king of the uh, Amalekites, King Agai, right? Kept some of the spoils behind, what? And he was in disobedience. And what happened? God said, okay, now you can't. Being that you have, you have hearkened to the voices of the people, I'm going to remove you. So I don't want to be removed. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of God in a good sense where <laughs> his judgment and his hands are much bigger than mine. And his judgment hurts. It's eternal. So I'm saying all of this with, with reverence and respect to the local churches, who churches out there who, who are truly preaching the gospel and, 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 and who are bringing people up. Because as you said earlier, we do want God, his standard, okay, is, is, is as you said, immutable. It is, it is final, and it does not change. That is God's standard. But we also have to keep it real. There are some people who are, who are sitting right now. God has given them an instruction, but they are sitting. They are frustrated. They, are, they have become bitter. They, they've, they've even 
thought about not coming back to church. But God is telling him, he's giving him an instruction. says, go ye forth, come forth, come out of that place. If you're in a place where there's witchcraft and, there, and, 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 and you feel that you're being hindered, we have to come out of that grave, come out of that sepulcher. Because God has called his, his men and women servants to great things, especially his prophets. He loves his prophets. That's why they're so afflicted. That's right. That's why they're so afflicted. Are prophets better than any other? Uh, uh, are they better than apostles and pastors and teachers and evangelists? No, no. But they have a special place. Why? Because they are the mouthpiece of God, and there's a weight attached to that. There is a a a a a, a pressure, and unless you are, unless you understand that, and this is why again they sit. I'm talking about the true prophets. I'm not talking about the ones who love the limelight and the money and the glitter and the attention. Because that kind of attitude and behavior, line it up with the prophets of God, of of the Bible. Line it up with the prophets of the Bible. Look at their character. Look at their attitude and compare it with other attitudes of other prophets that that we see today. Am I putting my mouth on people? Maybe I am. But line it up. Line it up. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. Try them, whether they are of God. Are these people truly who they say they are? And then you have some prophets who did very, very well in the beginning, and they followed the Lord, and, and, and they were obedient, but they have become corrupted by other people. Because they hearken to the voices of other people and they see the influence that they have over people and the money starts rolling in. And next thing you know, they're on TV, they're on the radio, and and, and it has become all about them. And they have shifted away from the purpose and the mission and the mandate, and now it's all about them. That's right. They've lost their way. You know, at times I feel bad for Saul because he's a product of the people. But, you know, he made his own decision. So, you know, I, I can't feel too bad. He made his choices. But there are times when I say, you know, Lord, wow, I mean, but but the people wanted a king, and, you know, and you just gave them what they asked for. You know, but, you know, Saul, exactly. he had a choice to make, and I'll leave it at that. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much for that, man of God. You're absolutely correct about that, and I really appreciate you sharing all of that, and as well as the woman of God, you know, asking that uh, powerful question because uh, the woman of God is asking her question, how do you deal with that leadership? And there are many people that have been asking, I've heard several people ask that question, what do you do, um, uh, what do you do when you encounter leadership like that? And then I've also had people uh, mention what the men of God mentioned tonight, um, but what do you do when uh, you're called to be a king? Now, <laughs> I, I, I like, I'm going to go a little, a little further. We have approximately about 40 more minutes, but you'll see what happens when you're called to be a king, when you're called to international or global ministry, when you're called to be a king. You'll see what will happen. <laughs> and it, this happened for David naturally. It happened for him naturally. But uh, let, let me say this before. Um, 
let me say this before I actually go into the, the portion of it. Uh, so we see that that David eventually, you know, he 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 came out of the wilderness, out of a place of rejection, the, the difficult place. But usually, uh, when you're going through this difficult place, it's what it's where you receive a fresh prophetic now anointing. That's when God begins to anoint you. Now, this is uh, the story begins to get even more interesting. One of the things that I begin to look into this ministry was that when David eventually came in contact with Saul, one of the things that Saul tried to do was to keep, was try to put his armor on him, was try to put his armor on him. And this is, this is relating to the men of God's statement. He tried to put his armor on David. But one of the things that Saul don't realize, Saul, Saul Ministries, legalistic ministry, like a Saul ministry or Saul leadership, the characteristic traits, is that a lot of times they will try to put their armor on you or their identity on you. What do I mean by that? Uh, There are many leadership that if you are not a replica of who they are, they won't necessarily appoint you. So a lot of times they try to they try to fit their identity on you because if they fit their identity on you, then you'll be carrying their legacy, but you won't be necessarily carrying the anointing. There's a difference. You won't be carrying the anointing and your assignment that you're pregnant with, but you'll be carrying their legacy and their identity. So there are many leaders that, that would say, well, I want you to be just like me. I want you to be just like me, and I want you to uh, to preach the way I preach and break and the, the hermeneutics. I want you to break it down like me, and I want you to walk like me and dress like me and talk like me and do what I do in ministry. Uh, but that's what a Saul leader would do. And, and, and it says that, he put his armor on him. Now, there's soul ministries that are just like that, and the man of God mentioned it. Maybe that ministry is like an armor. They try to put you in that constraint of that armor, the, the, the way they did things, the way how it fits them. See, an armor is made to fit a certain type, a certain type. Now, soul's armor was meant to fit his type, but it doesn't mean that it was meant to fit David, and so he tried to put his armor on David, and and that's what ministries will do with you today. They will try to fit their armor, their way of doing things, how Hmm. they dealt with things on you, but one of the things that we need to realize are that Davids are built differently, so you can't try to put you can't try to put your armor on me, Saul, because I'm built differently. You see, your armor was only designed to kill a thousand. But the, what God has given me, I can kill 10,000. So if I put your armor on me, then it limits me of my capability. Your oh armor was only designed to kill thousands. But if I put it on, it limits my capability 
And I would never be able to kill 10,000 because really I'm supposed to be doing greater work. So don't try to put your armor on me because if you put your armor on me, then you're constricting me. You're binding me. And I love what David said. He, he recognized that, no, Saul, I understand you have these kind of intentions. And some people do it with good intentions, others do it with ill intentions. But David says, no, 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 I understand your intentions, but what you need to understand and get the revelation of is that I'm built differently. I am meant to kill and slay ten thousands. I am peculiar. I am that new generation. And so, watch this. And so, watch this. It was really a form of constraint. It was a form of constraint. Watch this. This becomes interesting now because the same Saul at one point that tried to armor David was the same one that was trying to kill him. What am I saying? Sometimes your assistant can turn into your assassin. Hmm. I need you to make note of that. Sometimes Hmm. your assistant can turn into your assassin. So there was a given time where Saul was trying to armor David. But now he was the same one that had to protect himself from Saul. And and, and that's what we have to be careful of because now he saw that David was slaying 10,000. And that's oftentimes what would happen to uh, a Saulish ministry or Saul leadership is that they will begin to deviate from being your assistant and turning into your assassin. Now, they were meant to undergird you. They were meant to nurture you. They were meant to build you up and empower you, but now they're trying to assassinate you. Hmm. And, and watch this. I, I, I think I've mentioned this before. Sometimes individuals like this, they are like a besieger of your, your destiny. So watch this. Although David was anointed, they continued to overlook him. They continued to overlook him. So he was anointed and he slayed 10,000, but there were still some people that overlooked him, just like Saul. Saul kept on overlooking and wouldn't acknowledge the king that was in him. But watch this. Just like David, there will be people that will overlook you until you kill something. What do I mean by that? They overlooked David until he killed Goliath. And that's when some people are going to truly recognize that you are anointed by God because there's going to be some strong men that they could not take down. There's going to be some strong men, some issues and some things that they couldn't deal with, but you survived it. You were the one to take it down. So people are going to overlook it, overlook you, until you kill a Goliath. And that's what it is. That's how you will get the exhortation that you need. While people are overlooking you, God is going to exalt you by putting a circumstance in your way, and people are going to want to see how you deal with that circumstance. But when you use what God has given you because you are truly anointed, now when you use your, your gift that God has really given you and you slay your Goliath, that's when they'll eventually realize that you have certainly been called. So what do I mean by that? Is that 
You don't have to exploit yourself to validate that you are a king uh, uh, because God is going to put some encounters in your way to, uh, to, to, to manifest the king that's in you. Uh, and the, the issues that you are facing, the Goliaths that you are facing, it's to inadvertently prove to your enemy the legitimacy of your calling. I'm going to say it again. The Goliaths, the circumstances, the problems, the caves, everything that you have been through is for your enemies, is to inadvertently prove to your enemies the legitimacy of your calling. Because what they could not slay, you're going to have the ability to slay. And that's what the David generations are just like. They're coming out of the wilderness. They're coming out of the rejection. As I said, the place of, 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 of lowliness. And they're, they're coming out of these places. Now watch this. Here's another thing that God is going to do. Prove the legitimacy of your calling. And I'm answering the man of God's question because, again, some people are in ministries and people just don't want to acknowledge them or acknowledge who they are. They know that you're called. They, but as I said, God is gonna either going to give you an encounter with Goliath. You're going to kill the Goliath. You're going to take down the Goliath. and going to say, wow, surely you're called. Here's another thing that God is going to do to prove the, legit- the, the legitimacy of your anointing is that he's going to create a situation or a scenario where that particular person or that ministry or that that region or that government or that place that they are going to be in need of deliverance. But the gifts and the skills that you have is going to bring them that deliverance. What do I mean by that? The Bible says, that David played his instrument to cast out the evil spirit out of Saul. What do I mean by that? He played his instrument. That was his gift. Now, what happened is what God is going to do is that he's going to raise up the Davids, and the Davids are going to release such a sound from heaven. They're going to release such a sound, hallelujah, that that's going to come from the gift on the inside of them. They're going to release such a sound from heaven that, that the evil that's in the soul, the evil that's in the church, the evil that's in the government, that is going to release such a sound that is going to bring a deliverance. It's going to be a sound of deliverance. And that's how God is going to prove to your enemies even the more that you are called. So they can deny it all they want. They can reject you all they want. They can overlook you all they want. But they're going to see that truly you are anointed because you took down the Goliath, that you were truly anointed because your gift casted out devils. They're going to know that you've been called because God's hand is upon your life. Hmm. And, and so I'm going to open the lines approximately with the next five minutes, but I'm going to, I'm going to uh, uh, make this, Next point, and then I'm opening up the lines. And so the Bible says, Samuel, Samuel anointed David king before he became king. Samuel anointed David to become king before he became king. So what what am I saying by that? Even if you are under a leadership that's like Saul, and they don't want to acknowledge you. They reject you. They toss you to the side. You're the black sheep. Whatever they have categorized you to be, you have to realize that your Samuels are on its way. Your Samuel is on his or her way to anoint you 
to be that king. So they can reject you all they want. They can try to delay the process all they want. They can try to keep you at that place all they want because God is raising up a prophet or an apostle or someone else to anoint you to be who you are rightfully called to be. And 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 watch it when I'm gonna open up the lines before I actually go to the next point. Is there anybody who wants to just kind of interject before I go into uh, uh, further into this topic? Woman of God. Hi, God bless you. Hi. Uh, question, very quickly. Uh, sure. Um, you're right. And let's say the Lord has a man or woman servant or servants in a place. Uh, and the Lord has used them to bring a sound, if you will, to to bring the prophetic, since we're on that subject, to bring a sound of his kingdom to this particular uh, uh, place that is bound by a spirit of legalism, a old system, old way of doing uh, Hello? I can, oh, can you hear me? Sir. Okay. Uh, yes. The, so uh, again, the Lord has has men and women servants in a place uh, to bring a fresh sound, a new sound, a kingdom sound to a place that has been bound by legalism and an old way of doing things. And let's say that church gets deliverance temporarily, uh, and I do say temporarily, and then they fall back into those. Uh, old legalistic old ways of doing things. Yes, you know what? Wow, I felt really good. It's nice to have that fresh touch from God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But then you get seven demons to come back just just as wicked or more wicked. Uh, <laughs> should you remain in a place? Should a man or woman say, "Okay, there's there's really no hope for change here. They're stuck in their legalistic ways. They don't want deliverance." What should be our attitude if we find ourselves in a place like that? What should we do? Run or stay? Okay, that's a very, very good question, and it's, it's an, I'm going to say this way, it's an open-ended question, which means that there is no definite answer to this question. And why am I saying that? Because my situation may not be your situation. So for those who are actually listening, when I answer this question, um, this does not legitimize, well, it's time for me to run out of there. <laughs> oh, that's my church, so let me just run. But that may not be your instructions. So I want to make that clear. Uh, you have to follow the instructions of the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's my number one answer. Follow the instructions of the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? When it comes to issues like that, sometimes God sends his prophet in a particular region for to do a particular assignment for a certain designated amount of time. And I'm being careful how I say this. They, he, God will send his prophet or, or another ministry gift to send them there to help bring a sound of heaven and, and release and to bring deliverance. And he will do it uh, just so that, number one, they can't say they never heard. Number two, that they can't blame God that God never came to deliver them. Right? And, and number three, that he would do that for a period of time until he says your time in doing this has expired. And so you have to know when your time in that has expired 
before you move on to the next assignment. Why did I say? Why am I saying that? I'm just gonna go into another a, a, a story real quickly. Uh, uh, God uh, had sent Moses to Pharaoh on many different occasions. So it's not for us to determine the longevity of the time that we should be there. We have to just be obedient to when he tells us to go and when it's time to leave. Because there are many people who say, well, what, Moses, come on, Pharaoh is stubborn. Why are you still going back to him? <laughs> Why are you still going there? There's no reason to go. You already know that he's stubborn. He's not going to listen to you. But guess what? See, God does that, even with Jonah. God, uh, he does that to show people that he's merciful. He's loving. He's kind. He gives you second chances. He cannot say he didn't come to deliver you. So God mm-hmm. makes sure he does his end of the bargain. But when he sees that the hearts are impenitent, they don't want to change, and God says, okay, the time is up, then he will release that man or woman from that assignment. And you have to know also when the time is up. So when God says, okay, I've released you from the assignment, and you're still there, now it's really contingent upon you. Anything, and you're now privy to see things or things are susceptible to happening because he's already released you from that place. Uh, and when he releases you, he's going to give you not only instructions but direction. Because God does things in decency and in order. I remember there was a, a particular time I, I was a part of a, a, a certain organization, and I was there, and I was helping uh, this organization uh, for quite some time. And then um, I felt the release in my spirit. God spoke to me and said, okay, now it's time to resign. This is your time is up. You've graduated, <laughs> right? He let me know you've graduated. So you don't need to repeat this grade again. Stop going in 12th grade because you don't need to be in 12th grade anymore. You've, you've graduated. Now it's time for you to go to college. Mm-hmm. On to bigger things. And I felt the release in my spirit. And there was a time that I was even trying to be accommodating. Well, okay, well, maybe I'll repeat the 12th grade just to help out. So what God did is that he provoked the situation so much that I had no choice but to graduate, <laughs> I didn't want to put on my cap and gown because I, I was saying, oh, you know what, well, I'll, I'll let me be in a class maybe another year. No, 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 God said, now it's time to put on your cap and gown. It's time for you to graduate. time for you to go. Mm-hmm. And, and, if, and if you don't go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to be expelled because <laughs> it's your time. <laughs> and, and so I hope this is a really good analogy. But that's what God would do. He will allow you to be expelled from that place because you graduated. What do I mean by that? For some people, he will make it so uncomfortable for you. He will even allow things to happen. So you say, okay, God, I get the message. It's time to go. Mm -hmm. So really we have to know the time. And there are some people that God has already given them the release. God has already given them the instructions. Now they're just waiting for the directions. Amen. Whereas there will be some people who got the instructions and God will say, I'm not ready to give you the, 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 the directions yet. I give you the instructions, now go. Act out in faith. Move out. Mm. But go where? Thank like Abraham, go where? 
in the land that I tell you. Oh, God, wow, that's vague. Gee, thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, and he will do that. So he works differently with different people. So that's what I'm saying. It's a very open-ended question, and you just have to know what God is saying to you. And, and, and God would say, okay, well, just go to a land. I'm going to show you the land. And, and so sometimes you'll find yourself in the wilderness again. You're just strolling around. I don't know where to go. I know I'm called. I know I'm carrying a nation inside of me. I know you have anointed me. I'm a prophet, but, God, I'm in the wilderness again. But it's only before a while he'll leave you in the wilderness. Because even just like John the Baptist, even though he was in the wilderness, God made provision. <laughs> God made provision. So you may be like, wow, God, I'm in the wilderness again. I've done my assignment. I'm stepping out. But, God, I don't know where to go. Don't worry. I'm going to give you locusts to eat, and I'm going to clothe you with camel's hair. Don't worry. I'm going to protect mm. you in the meantime. I'm going to protect you by clothing you with cameras here. And I'm going to feed you on your journey so that you don't become weary. But I'm going to show you what really you're assigned to do. Wow, wow. And so that's to answer your question. That is, it's, it's open-ended. And for everyone, it's, it's different. Amen. Thank, thank you, women of God. You, you know, sometimes we, 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 we think God is a lot like us in a sense where he's <laughs> he's a man of many words. He sometimes he doesn't give us very much to work with. <laughs> it may be right. one word, maybe two words, maybe no words. So uh, I, I think we have to get to a place, and you're absolutely right. And and I had asked, I, I'm, I'm giving a que- I'm asked that question because there's probably somebody out there listening that 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 is in that place right now, and they don't know what to do. And they're thinking about leaving. They want to leave because they're just not growing. And they're saying, look, um, I, I can't stay here anymore. And, yes, you're absolutely right. Do not do anything that is outside of the will of God because if you step outside those doors and let's say things don't work out in your favor and you right. find yourself bouncing around from house of worship to house of worship and, and you and now have become a vagabond, and and, was, and the Lord said, but I never gave you the instruction to leave. I didn't tell you to leave. You did it on your own. And I, and I've been guilty of that too. There's times I said, Lord, you take it too long. You know, I'm I'm I, I'm impatient. I can't wait any longer. Uh, I don't want to remain in this place anymore. And and, and I've said that, and I've done my own thing, and and um, it didn't work out in my favor. Why? Because I did it in my own strength. I applied my own understanding, and I said, because I was tired, I was tired. But the Lord says, I'm not done with you there yet. I'm going to release you, but I'm going to do it on my time, not yours. And so getting back to what I initially said, some, the, the, the Lord, the God that we serve, this, this God, this spirit, this God who is holy and righteous, he knows more than we do. He knows a lot more than we do. And when we're expecting him to give us a sentence, he may only give us a couple of words. You said, that's it? That's all you're giving me? And we just have to, by faith, by faith, we just have to move on that. And we just have to get to that place where we just say, okay, Lord, thank you for that one word you gave me. Thank you for those two words. Uh, I don't, not what I was looking for, not what I was hoping for, but let me just move by faith on what you've given me. God bless. I'll continue to listen. And thank you. Amen. You're welcome. You're very welcome for that. Amen. I thank God. 
and, and, and that's right, that's right. Now, what I would say, what I would say to those who are dealing with direct confrontation from a soul, spirit, characteristics, meaning uh, evil characteristics that, that David, that was shown towards David, if you are dealing uh, with a leader of such caliber or a ministry of such caliber, it is, and, and they're trying to pursue you or take your life or, you know, it's clear that you're not doing things according to the will of God, now that is very evidential that you don't sit around twiddling your fingers waiting for God to give you a word. <laughs> there are some, sometimes there are things that are evidential. God would say, okay, you're seeing with your two eyes. You don't need to be all deep and spooky or mysterious or supernatural for this. There are some things that are just plain to the eye. If, if Saul is throwing javelins at you and you know that they're in it to destroy you, the answer is simple. Why would you stand there and die? Just like he told the, uh, the children of Israel when the Egyptians were pursuing them. They bend down on their knees and start to cry, no, get up. The Egyptians are behind you. <laughs> Go, run. Why are you standing here? So you want to know if you are in ministries that, that is uh, uh, harmful to your spiritual development, your spirit, your soul, uh, your physical life, and, uh, uh, or any, any of that matter. You know, you definitely do not want to invest any more time in that, and I believe that's very evidential and, and that's very simplistic. Um, so just continue off where I, was, where I left off is that Samuel uh, anointed David, and, and just to encourage you again that the Samuels are going to come to anoint you even when the Saul's do not want to do it, right? And, and, and watch this. He was anointed to slay giants. He was anointed to even deal with Saul's jealous spirit, right? He was anointed to deal in the uncomfortable wilderness. Uh, and he kept fighting until he became king. So we have to realize that whatever it is that we're facing, uh, we're anointed for this, right? And, and you have to know that you are anointed to deal with that. You are anointed. Some things that you survive, other people would not have survived. You are anointed for it. And so if God would not have allowed you to go through certain things, if he didn't see it fit or see it qualified enough or thought you were mature enough to deal with it, if he didn't think that you were mature enough, he would not have allowed you to go through certain challenges. It's just that he understood and knew that you were anointed to deal with what you're dealing with. And so you have to know that you're anointed to finish and to finish strong in spite of what it looks like. Now, again, as I said, even there will be people, like again, that's like Saul, that will undermine you. They will reject you, as you mentioned, in retrospect, because simply they thought you were the underdog. But only to finally learn that you were a king dressed as a shepherd's boy. You are a king dressed as a shepherd's boy. And that's what you've got to understand, that there's so many people all throughout the body of Christ today that they look at the outward appearance of men. And the Bible says it very clearly, that men look at the outward appearance of men, but God sees the heart. And so uh, uh, um, 
there are so many people today that it's really qualified by God, and people put them down simply because maybe they don't have their own church, or maybe their bank account is not matching their anointing. Maybe where they're living or in their housing situation, they're living in the cave. They say, well, well, shouldn't you, if you're a so-called king, shouldn't you be living in the palace? Why are you in a cave? And that's just like Jesus. He was judged based on his profession and not for the king he really was. So they're saying, well, so if you're so much a king, why are you a carpenter? Mm. <laughs> if you're so much a king, why are you a shepherd's boy? Mm, if you're so much Jesus, why are you dressed in humanity? Mm. If you're so much a king, David, why are you dressed as a shepherd's boy? Why do you smell like a sheep? Huh? Well, John, if you're so much a prophet, why do you have camel's clothes on? Your God must not be good to you. Moses, if, if, if you were so much of a leader, then why would you be here with us Egyptians living as kings and queens? The religious people said that. And that's what religiosity will do. Religiosity believes that it's by works. They believe that it's your title, your accolades, your, your accomplishments, your credentials. It's what makes you qualified. And if you are not an elite like us, then you can't roll in our circle. You can't be in our company uh, because, you know, you just can't be on our platform because you just don't seem to have anything. So we just don't really want to associate ourselves with you because, yeah, I know you're anointed, but look at you. God doesn't seem to be blessing you too much. Where's your God? If, 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 if you were so much anointed, you're anointed, and your gift will make so much great room for you. And so they judge you by your process. They look at you as the underdog, and they begin to undermine you because just the way you're clothed. And, and that's what people why people miss God. They miss God because man's qualification is not God's qualification. That's not what qualifies you to be a true, honorable vessel before God. And they will begin to treat you based on your situation. They will treat you based on your situation. That even if you are a part of a local assembly, if you're not a big tither, you can't sit in the front row or the first front or on the pulpit or the first three rows. You have to sit in the back because you all are all the $1 people, the $5 people, the $10 people. You guys are not the $20 people and up. You guys don't have the big jobs. So you wow. sit with the $1 folks, the George Washingtons. <laughs> mm, wow. You can't sit in the Benjamin crew. You're, you're with the Washington crew. And we separate people based on that. We, we separate people based on, well, you guys are not the drivers. You guys are the train riders. Mm-hmm. Or you all, you know, you're supposed to be dressed like us in the big clergy collar and the cross going from the from the neck to the to the po- into the pocket and, uh, if you're not walking around with a big shepherd's cane or a stick or or uh, you're, you're not dressed in a clergy collar, you can't sit on the pulpit. You know, 
you know, just, just for a sense of importance, a sense of importance. Just recently I, I'd gone to an event and there was someone who sat in the pastor's chair and they treated that person like the flu symptom. <laughs> just to get to you try to say, no, no, no. No, mm-hmm. that's not how you deal with God's people. I do not care if there are a homeless person on the street. That could be God's anointed vessel. We see this with the rich man and Lazarus. We cannot separate people based on how what our qualifications are. You're being religious. That's not how we're supposed to treat God's people. Because the person that walked in, that may be the next president, the next doctor, the next lawyer, the next prophet to the Mm -hmm. nation. But you know Mm -hmm. what? In our eyes, they're just good enough to do that. And guess what? You're good enough to be used to make them look good, but you're not good enough to lead. They got their reward. That's right, man of God. That's right. That's a reward. Then you're not good enough to have your own church. You're not good enough to have your own conferences. You're not good enough to drive your own car. You're not good enough to have certain things. But your gift is good enough to serve them. And as long as you're serving them, you're in perfect standing with them. As long as you bring all your tithes and your first fruit offerings to them, you're perfect standing. As long as you, as long as you have perfect church attendance and you're filling up the seats every Sunday. Uh, you're good and you're in good grace. As long as you carry their water bottles or carry their pocketbooks in, you're in good grace. As long as you're in good grace. But the moment you say, you know what? God is calling me to branch out. He's calling me to do greater work. He's calling me to the nations that the men of God said, to, the, to do international ministry. Then all of a sudden you get the evil eye from Saul. Who do you think you are? Did I endorse you? Did I ordain you to go out? Did I give you your certificate to go out? Who do you think you are? I didn't authorize you to do that. And so what God is doing is that he's shifting people, the David of this hour, from the church to the cave, and he's sending Samuel to anoint the David himself. What God is doing in this hour is that he's anointing his vessels himself. He's bypassing the souls because the souls are not trustworthy enough to, uh, to undergird the Davids of this hour. So he's bypassing them, and he's doing it himself. I'm going to open the lines. I have five minutes left. Uh, open the lines to any uh, callers that have any final questions, statements, or comments before I conclude for tonight. The presence of God is in the cave, and the Lord wants to bring us out of these places where we feel constricted and choked. And as you said, woman of God, yes, you know, that, 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 that's where we get, that's where the men and women servants of God are, 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 are gaining that fresh revelation and being in the presence of God. And, and you know, forgive me if I talk about you know prophets so much. You know, I just love you know talking not and not just prophets, but all of the offices uh, the the callings have have significance. So let me make that very very clear. Um, and we should all be able to hear 
from the Lord if we truly want to. Um, but going back to what we were initially talking about, that cave experience, uh, that that is where number one, the presence of God is. That that that's where His His we, we can hear clearly. We're away from all the distractions. We're away from all of the naysayers, all of the people who want to keep us confined and locked up uh, in a uh, spiritual cage, if you will. Um, that is where we get our instruction. That is where these men and women of God go for guidance when when they're in tears, when they feel broken, when they're looking for answers, or when they're feeling about, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm terrified. I don't know what to do. You know, I, I don't want to be ridiculed if I step out by faith. I'm, people around me, what, what are they going to say? They're going to they're, they're, they're going to think all kind of negative things about me. They're going to say I'm doing things in my own strength. I, I don't want them to talk about me. So th- this is where, again, we, where I liken it to, um, maybe this is a good example, maybe it's a bad one, uh, when a child uh, falls and scrapes his or her knee and the child cries and that child will run to its mother and say, Ma, I scraped my knee, I scraped my knee, help me make it better. I liken that to our situation even in the church. There are times when we scrape our knees and we get beat up, sometimes by our own people. And we're saying, Lord, help me, save me, Lord, I'm bleeding. Do something, make this pain go away. And that's where the cave comes in. That's where we gain our strength. That is how, that's where we learn how to fight, like, like, like you said. That is where God is building us up in that, in that mountain, in that cave. Because a lot goes on there. A lot is going on, and he's making us stronger and better in those caves. And I just want to say, woman of God, uh, thank you uh, for this segment of Kingdom Empowerment. Uh, you are truly a, a, a blessing from God. And, and may God continue to use you mightily on uh, not just kingdom empowerment, but what he has called you to do uh, as far as your ministry goes. And uh, may the presence of God be with you. May the anointing of God be with you. May his presence give, uh, give you strength. Uh, we, I, I, in the name of Jesus, we come against any spirit that would try to hinder you, that would try to stagnate what God is doing in your life. Uh, uh, any demon that wants to rise up and derail, huh? <laughs> uh, that demon, no, demons don't know what they're about to get themselves into because you have a mighty army, a mighty army, okay, of, of angels, of God's angels who, who are watching over you. So, so he's got you covered and he hears your cry and he hears your concerns and, and he has not forgotten about you. And I, you know, I just wanted to share that and and, and encourage you in that way. God bless you, and, and, and thank you once again. You're, you're truly a blessing, not just to my life, but also to uh, Kingdom Empowerment Radio and, and, and the ministry you, you, uh, you're a part of. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you so much, man of God. I really appreciate your kind words and your prayers. Truly, it's greatly appreciated. Uh, and I want to thank God for you for always being on here and sharing your wealth of knowledge and your encouragement. It's been a blessing to myself and all those who are part of Kingdom Empowerment. Amen. I want to thank God for the woman of God and all the listeners who have tuned in on the line this evening. Truly, I pray that you were blessed and that you were edified, that you received some spiritual insight and edification. Amen. We are here to educate you on the Word of God and to give you fresh revelation and download and ultimately uh, introduce you to Christ 
life. Amen. And so we want to thank you all for joining on Kingdom Empowerment. This is your host for tonight, Dehuma McLean. I am on here every first and third Mondays of every month at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with two hours of teaching. Uh, if you haven't already, please get connected to my Dehima McLean like page as D-I-H-I-M-A-M-C-L-E-A-N Ministries. And uh, you may get connected, amen, if you seek further prayer or you simply may join join back on here next month at 6, 6, Amen. And we definitely look forward to having you back on here. We want to thank God for Dr. Ganny and for Kingdom Empowerment. I pray that the Lord will continue to bless her immensely and every one of you. Thank you all for once again, and I pray that you all will join us back here next week on Kingdom Empowerment. God bless you and have a pleasant night.